0: Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Well, good morning, church let's open our Bibles to Psalm 63. If you have that open in your Bible, Psalm 63. Uh, If you're visiting Christ Church today, my name is Mark, and I get to be one of the ministers here. And let me tell you where we've been since September, so you'll understand kind of what I'm doing this morning with this particular Psalm. Uh, We focused very intentionally and strategically this fall on looking at what it means to be in a relationship with God. So we started with the series on covenant. And we talked for eight or nine weeks about what it means that God would offer us a relationship with him. And in a covenant relationship with God, it's not equal. We don't provide 50% and God provides 50%. That's a contract. In a covenant, God provides everything that's needed and we receive it. And we live within the constructs of that. And our contribution to it is not nearly as uh, important as our acceptance and resignation within it. And so we talked about what it is to be in a covenant. We looked at how it affects our homes and our marriages and our finances and our church attendance and what that means. And then we did another series about how we experience life with Jesus. And we talked about the things God's given us in specifics like Bible study and prayer and community and how those grow us not only in relationship to God, but relationship to one another. And then we just finished a series for our Christmas series on the incarnation. How Jesus coming to earth not only fulfilled one promise, It supplemented every promise of God so that we now live in grace and hope because of him. Well, what I'd like to do today is, I don't know if I'm the only person in the room. I'm suspicious I'm not, but I'll offer it to you. I like making resolutions more than I like keeping them. Am I I the only one? There's a few of you out there who are like me. It's like, yeah, I really want to get my life figured out and I'm, you know, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to get taller. I'm going to grow my hair back. I have a bunch of resolutions I want to accomplish, but I'm really not going to put that much work into it because I may be the only person also who really stinks at one part of their job. You see, one part of my job that I get to do here as one of the ministers on staff is to constantly be thinking what's next. Not to keep busy, but what's coming in the horizon? What are the trends in culture? That, what do we need to do as a church to meet that? How do we need to meet needs? But I sometimes get so caught up in the busyness of today that I don't think about three or four weeks from now. And people will come up to me and say, so what's the next big thing challenging us? I'm like, surviving? I don't know. I just want to go to bed at night and make it. And, uh, and so in, in that daily pressure, some of us can get so much in a rut that we don't even think about what else could be. And so this morning, I don't want to give you a sermon on five things to do for the New Year's. I want to ask you to do one simple thing today. Ask your soul what it really wants. Oh, that's really kind of deep, huh? Now, I don't want you to ask your desires what they want. They're telling you every day. Your desires for this and that, it's telling you all the time, you need this, you need this, you need this to make you happy. I really want you to ask deeper down than your physical and natural desires, I want you to ask yourself this question, what does my soul really want? Because when I stop and silence the world for any period of time and I ask myself that question, I know what the answer is. I want to be okay. I just don't want to survive. And I don't want to leave a legacy. It's not going to be about me when this is all done. I just want to live a life connected to who I am made to be. I want to connect to God at a deeper level. And every day, no matter how good the day is, it's not like it's, it's not enough. But I, my soul is like, Mark, there's more. There, there's more that could have been for you today if you would have silenced some of the things. So as we begin a new year, isn't it hard to imagine tomorrow is 2024? Okay, I guess the rest of you had that all figured out. I was thinking <laughs> somebody would go, yeah. Uh, but when I think it's already 2024, that, it, it stresses me. It's happening so fast. And yet I don't want to put pressure on us to go, let's make a resolution. No, let's consider something. Ask yourself the question, what does my soul really want? In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, and I've intentionally used this verse in all three series leading into this morning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Do you want wise understanding? Do you want knowledge based on wisdom? Then the Bible has made it clear to us, connecting to God, who he is, is where it all begins. So when you ask your soul the question, what do you really want? You're going to find that the answer is, it wants connection to God. Not a superficial religious connection. Not coming to church on Sunday mornings only. Or coming to a special Christmas Eve service once a year. It wants more. It wants a lively, living connection. You see, the human heart desires intimacy with God. This is what your soul will tell you at once. Because we, it's so, your soul was made to want this. Made by the creator. To not have this just obsessive, nothing else in life matters. But understanding, nothing in life will matter if you don't have this. Then the rest of it becomes beautiful. The rest of it becomes useful. We're taught in a scientific age, and I'm not against science. Science is wonderful. But we're taught in the scientific age to put away all the, my, the mystery... To not think about the mysterious parts that we can't explain. Yet you and I know we're created by God to enjoy a sunset, to enjoy the colors of a sun setting in the sky. And the various colors that explode in that moment, they're there for a heartbeat and then they fade away as the sun goes down. You and I look up at a starry sky at night when it's clear and we see the myriad of stars and the brightness of them. And there's something about every one of us, we become childlike. You just don't look at that and go, yep, seen it. No. We all stop and go, oh my goodness, when's the last time I stopped and enjoyed this? Or you look at the delicacy and intricacy of a flower and you know that that didn't just happen. It's not a biological accident. That was created why the rose is different from the daisy and the smells and scents of nature and the beauty, I can go on and on because I'm not trying to convince you of this. I just want you to recognize what you already know. There is something about the mystery of being a part of creation that captures our imagination, and your soul is wanting to connect to that, not ignore it, not put it to the side, or dismiss it. It will draw you in deeper. So we want to experience this intimacy with this creator God, your soul says, yes. In fact, look at verse one of our psalm today. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. The expression is, my, my soul thirst and my body longs. That's a, a Hebrew um, redundancy. It's saying the same thing in two different ways that connect you to it. In other words, if you could translate this in probably the way we speak more likely, you would translate it this way. I was created for this. It is natural to want this. It's, it's what I'm missing. I want this connection in my soul To my creator and I want connection to creation in a way that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. So once again, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm trying to get you to recognize it. And by recognizing it, set yourself up for a depth of relationship as you face this new year. I don't know how you look at a change of calendar. I don't think that from December 31st to January 1st my life changes that much. But I do like opportunities to start over. You know, like it, for some, you've, you've had the last week where work's been kind of skittish or maybe your plant closed for a week and you had a week off. And, and in that time away, you're thinking, man, I go back to work on Tuesday and when I go back to work on Tuesday, I want to do it different. And taking that response and this opportunity to ask yourself, when you wake up tomorrow morning, ask your soul, what can I do for you today? And it will respond... Connect me to God. Connect me closer to who he is and what he offers me. Have you ever been in a situation where your body needed something, not wanted something? We're not talking about desires. We're talking about needs. When your body needed something like sleep, food, or water. I remember being as a kid, you never could get away with saying, I'm starving to my parents. Because then it got a 45-minute sermon about how you've never starved. Stop being disrespectful to all those people who are starving. And all I wanted was a Pop-Tart. I just used bad language. <laughs> I just wanted a snack. So I should have said, I'm really kind of hungry. And uh, they would have said, well, go get something. But instead, I said I'm starving. And I got the lecture, and rightfully so. But I don't know that I've ever physically been starving. For, I mean, look at me. I've never been physically starving for food. And I thank God for that. I've always had enough food to, to fill my hunger. I have been at moments thirsty. In fact, I have experienced physical dehydration. And that's not something I'm proud of. Look at me. What I'm saying is, when you've experienced this, here's what you learn. Nothing matters more to you in that moment than fluids. And you don't even care what kind of fluids they are. You would drink chunky milk. Yeah, you would when you're dehydrated. Because your body is saying, I must have this. Have you ever had that moment driving and you start to get sleepy? And logically you say to yourself, I can't sleep. I'm driving this 2,000 pound vehicle at 65, well some of you, or at 85 miles an hour down the highway and if I sleep I'm going to hurt myself and I could hurt someone else around me so I can't sleep. And you tell yourself, don't be sleepy. How good does that work? Not at all. And then you all have the moment, right? I hope you haven't, but I have, where I'm driving and all of a sudden I go, and I've been asleep and I'm shocked and my heart races to 2,000 beats a minute. I start to sweat and I'm not sleeping for the next two hours because I realize I just about died. Because when your body wants sleep, it's going to win. You understand? When your body needs water, it will win or you will kill it. If you listen to your soul, it's going to tell you what you need. And it will seek it with everything it is. Which means, that's why many of us are restless. That's why many of us lack peace. It's not because we're bad people. It's because we're trying to give our soul something to satisfy it. That it does not want or need. Instead of giving it what it does need and what it does want. The soul is thirsting for its creator, and a real, safe, living connection with him. It's a very natural need in every single one of us, and your soul will seek it with everything it is. So don't give it what it doesn't need. Give it what it does. How can our hearts find intimacy with him? How can we help our soul find the thing it wants? Look at verse 2. I have seen you in the sanctuary I have beheld your power and your glory. Well, let me give you the background quickly on this. There is solid enough reason to believe that David wrote the 63rd Psalm while he was escaping for his life from his palace. David committed an egregious sexual sin with a married woman, had her husband killed so he could hide his deception and married her. They lost the child that she became pregnant with, which blew his cover and he married her and his family fell apart, as a good scandal will do to all of our homes. And David's son Absalom decided this was the moment to take the throne from his father. So he set himself up as the incoming king, David realizing that Absalom was was handsome and powerful and charismatic, and David decides to take his family and get out of the palace, and he goes out into the wilderness, away from all of his comfort and his power and his affection and all of that, and David leaves, and he writes this psalm in this moment. And as he writes this psalm, he reminds himself, I have seen God in the sanctuary, and I have seen his intimacy and power. What do we learn from David in this psalm about seeking what our soul wants? First of all, seek God for himself. Now, I want to be really clear about this. It's a very simple message today. And I want to encourage you with this and challenge you with it. Seek God for himself. Don't seek God for what he can do for you. Seek God. That's enough. When you stop and realize who he is, it's a God creator of the universe, has created this connection with you, and he desires it as you do, and he will supply it beyond what you could ever imagine. Seek that. Seek that relationship with your father, your creator God. He's not a riddle to solve. He's a being. There's no secret handshake. There's no secret password. It's not for the elite intellectuals. It's available to all of us. We've been studying this since September. For the last three months, God has made himself available. He is near and he is here for all of us. And it says, when we seek God for himself, David writes, because your love is better than life, my lips lips will glorify you. Amazing. David could have prayed a lot of things in this prayer. He could have prayed, God, stop Absalom. God, make my life comfortable again. God, restore my throne. God, give me a life of ease because I'm the king but he doesn't. His prayer and cry is not for a return to the comforts of his life. His cry is, your love is what I need because your love brings me life. Remember, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord brings wisdom. When David leaves the throne and the palace and he heads into the wilderness He's not lamenting what he's giving up. He's holding on to what he has. And so he cries out, oh God, you are my God. See, God wants this with you. He doesn't just want it for you. I want you to hear that again. God wants to connect your soul to him and he wants to do it with you, not just for you. It's it's not disconnected from who he is. And what he desires for all of us. So seek God for himself. This is what your your soul wants. Is to know him. To understand what he has revealed to us in the scriptures and through Jesus. To allow the Holy Spirit to speak of the goodness of God for you. Second thing. Rejoice in the power of God displayed for you. Not only do you seek him to spend time rejoicing in who he is and what that means for your life. Verse 1, oh God, you are my God." Now, if you're of my generation, you're probably singing the Rich Mullins song right now. <laughs> Some of you're out there, I'm glad you're here. Because he just brought that beautiful song just brings it all together. That statement, that David is not saying you are a god. He's saying God, you're my God. And in this moment, Of wondering what the future of his life is gonna bring as he faces the horizon in front of him. David has no idea except he knows this I have my God, and he's God Almighty. David is not making a concession. He's not saying, You're God because you're God. He's making a declaration You are God. I know you, and you're mine, and I'm yours. I don't want to belabor this point. But I look back on my life and I know this to be true. There are three prayers that have been answered in my lifetime. Excuse me. That um, I can't walk away from faith over. It doesn't make me noble. Please understand. God's goodness has been demonstrated to me in three moments of my life where I prayed for something and God answered it. Now, to be honest with you, two out of the three prayers God did not answer the way I asked him to. But he answered my prayers. And because of those three moments in my lifetime, one saved me from myself. The other answered a prayer of blessing over two people I loved very dearly. And the other was for an opportunity that was presented. To, and in those three moments that God answered those prayers, I will for the rest of my life, if my life goes on the track away from where I want it to and ends up in devastation and pain and misery, I've earned that. But in those moments, I will never be able to doubt again that God is real and God is active and God cares. And I hope you have that too. When I tell you this morning to rejoice in the power of God displayed over you, I want you to look back over your life and ask, has there been any moment God has met you in a moment and revealed himself? Because if he has, feed your soul that. Never let that testimony die Oh, tomorrow may be not good, and the day after may be harder, but has the faithfulness of God been displayed for you? And has it been displayed within you? Because when David cries out, oh God, you are my God, he is recollecting the goodness of God in his life. And I just want you to know in context, he's doing that when his world is falling apart. You see, our circumstances do not control God. It just teaches us to trust more in him. I like verse 7 of our text today. Because you are my help, I will sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. When you read verse 7, it makes a difference when he wrote it, doesn't it? If David's living in the palace, this is kind of easy statement. He's living in the wilderness. Not so easy. In the shadow of your wings, I remember reading something uh, many, many years ago, probably 20 years ago now. And it was a story of a a fire down in Florida in this forested area. And when they were going through to look at the damage in the area, they found a skeletal remains of some form of animal up against a tree or what was a tree. And one of the firefighters went over and kicked it with his boot to see what it was, to get it to roll over, and it kind of disintegrated. And when that happened, three little chicks ran out from underneath whatever it was. And they realized at that moment, it was the mother had wrapped her babies in her wings and protected them from the fire, and they lived because she died. And whenever I read that passage, having read that in a book... When I read that passage now in the Old Testament, where it's found several times in the Psalms, he hides us beneath his wings or in the shadow of his wings. I'm reminded of that moment. And isn't it interesting that those three little chicks lived because their mom died for them. And I think about being in the shadows of the wings of Jesus. And why am I alive? Because of his death for me. And David says in one of the worst moments of his life, I don't seek God because what he's going to do for me. I seek God because of what he already has. He is my protection. He is my shield. And my soul clings to him. His hand keeps me strong. In Romans eight fifteen, it says, For we did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you've received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. I love this. Because of what God has done, we can call him our father. And he will call us his daughter and his son. Not of what he's going to do, but he's already done what we needed him to do. And our soul, at the end of every day, wants to know, am I okay with God? Am I loved? Am I valued? Am I safe? It's not from job or finances or fame or, or friendships. It's, it's none of those things. Those are all temporary. They all come and go depending on the whim and the wave. But in the beauty of David's psalm, he's crying out and saying, now I know God, and I know that my relationship with God is the only thing I really need. Everything else he provides. But without him, nothing else matters. I don't know if you've been reading through the Advent devotional we we chose as a church together, the one by Paul David Tripp called, Oh Come All Ye Faithful, right? If you've been reading it now, I have to cheat. I work on Sundays. And so I decided to read today's devotional for the last one in the book yesterday. I wanted to read it and, and uh, I'm kind of a book, so when I, I'm a geek, when I finish a book I have to write down that I finish a book. So yesterday was quite appealing to me to go, done, and check the box. And I finished the book and I'm so grateful I read it yesterday because this is what Tripp says. If you haven't read it, close your ears, but here's what he's going to say this morning. Every day of your life you preach some kind of gospel to yourself. What do you preach to yourself when you're blessed? Is it a gospel of your glory or God's grace? What kind of gospel do you preach to yourself when you're facing the unwanted, the unexpected, the unplanned, the disappointing, and the difficult? Do you preach a Christless gospel that leaves you feeling alone and overwhelmed? Or a gospel of his presence, power, promise, and grace? When someone rejects you or mistreats you, what do you preach to yourself? When you are physically sick or feeling weak, what do you preach to yourself? When you're lacking in resources, what gospel do you preach to yourself? And then he writes, May the glorious gospel that is preached to you in the birth of Jesus by the gospel that you preach yourself day after day until you are on the other side, forever with the one who was born to provide what you never would never ever be able to provide for yourself. How could David write this psalm in one of the worst moments of his life? Because he knew the faithfulness of God was not in his circumstances. It was always with him. And that none of his circumstances would change this. So David is challenging us when you ask your soul what it wants. Seek God for himself and rejoice in what God has done already proven for you to show you his character and his covenant faithfulness. And lastly, discipline your heart to experience God. So yeah, there is a resolution moment in this, but let's not call it that. Instead of making it something to do, I just want you to be thoughtful. In fact, I'm going to ask right now, those of you that are going to be serving us the Lord's Supper this morning, if you would head toward the back. Because when we talk about disciplining your heart, one of the things we choose to do as a church, each and every time we gather, whether it's Thursday night worship or Sunday morning worship, is to remember Look at verse 6 in our text today. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. I love this. That there's a thoughtfulness to it, which is what I asked you to do today. Ask yourself this question. Uh, remember him. I, I think I've shared this before, but one of the things my dad... Uh, discovered that he shared with me one time, you know, this happened after I left for college. And when I left my parents' house in 1983, I never went back. And, and so I didn't live with him as my dad was experiencing his spiritual growth as I was experiencing mine. And, and one of the things he told me one time was he would go to work and he'd always feel guilty because he didn't spend any time in the Word or he didn't stop and have prayer in the morning. He was just busy providing for his family and he'd go to work and at work you had to work. He didn't have time to sit around. And so he said he'd just feel guilty that he was never really spending time in the Word. So he decided To do this, that he decided to have his quiet time with his Bible in the morning before he gave himself coffee. Some of you are frightened right now, aren't you? Because you're like, I don't know if I could. You could. And he said he enjoyed his cup of coffee with a sense of peace after he was done. Not a checking of a box, but he said he'd spent some time with his creator. He enjoyed his cup of coffee and he went to work. Now, we always tease him. He liked going to work because that left four boys at home with my mom. But anyway, that's a completely different issue. But he said he just enjoyed it, that he learned to make this as important as those simple pleasures in life because those pleasures aren't wrong. But oh, are they highlighted when it's centered around a relationship with God? And so, one of the things that I do, and I just share this with you, maybe it's an encouragement. In my prayer journal each morning, I make myself list 10 things I'm grateful for. Expressing gratitude is harder for me than most of you. And it's not okay. I'm a, I'm a broken person. And by the grace of God, I get to do what I do. But it's hard for me to express gratitude. I don't know why. I wish I were different. I try to be different. But every morning from the micro to the macro, I will just simply write down 10 things of gratitude every morning before I start my day. It might be, man, we had a good dessert. I had a piece of raspberry pie last night. Thank you, Jesus. And you may think that's being flippant. It's actually not because God gave us raspberries. And he taught somebody, it had to be a woman, to make a pie. (laughs) Because no man would have thought of that. It's too big. But the thought that somebody decided to make pie and somebody put raspberries in it with a little bit of sugar, I praise Jesus. I'm so grateful. Because if we can't be a grateful people, we're not remembering who we live for. So I want to encourage some of you, when you want to ask your soul what it wants, let it speak. What are you grateful for? It could be a cool breeze on a summer afternoon. It could be a warm place and a good meal. It could be a great conversation. It could be an afternoon of quiet, alone thinking. It could be a time of worship together. You can go on and on. And it just keeps building to those great moments where I end every day that God is with me today and he shouldn't be. You see, when it says, I remember you, I think of you through the watches of the night, I want to encourage you, start and end your day tomorrow. Start and end your day with a period of thoughtfulness. Just before you wake up, before you wordle, before you check the weather, before you check your messages overnight, before you check your email, check your heart. Be thoughtful. The word is meditate. I like what one preacher said. He described it pretty interesting. He said, you think about it and then you think about it and then you think about it until the other things you would think about don't matter. And before you go to bed at night, turn the screen off and as you lay your head down in your bed, thank God that you have a bed and a pillow and a blanket and a safe place to sleep and that the people in your home or have lived in your home with you are with you, that you have them Think of the goodness of God. Once again, I'm not trying to convince you. I think for most part, it's been my prayer all week, that every single one of us is going, I want that. I can't, I can't imagine anybody would stand up here honestly going, nope, not interested, because your heart is saying to you, yeah, that gap in my life can't be filled with busyness. It has to be God. That's what I want. And whether I miss out on the latest sports score, the latest news item, or the latest trend, who cares? It's going to change tomorrow anyway. What matters is I lay my head on the pillow at night and I awaken every morning knowing I am loved and cared for by God and he is with me. I love verse five. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. When we remember, we will have a song to sing And we will find satisfaction. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Focus your remembrances on him. And your soul will find its full. It's full of the best. Not the fake. Not the artificial. But the best. He says, My soul clings to you. I love the promise Isaiah 49. They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. Your soul's answer is not found in what most of us are feeding ourselves. It's found in the presence and awareness of God. It is what it wants. It's what it was created for. It hungers and thirsts for this, and only God can meet its need. So this morning, you're going to be past two cups. There's a piece of bread in one cup, and then there's, a, there's juice in the other cup. And those are symbolic of what Jesus asked us to do. We as a church have decided, we're going to do this every time we gather. We're going to eat the bread and drink the cup to remember. Notice the term. We're going to meditate on the goodness of God. There's actually nothing very special in the bread. There, there, it's, it's grape juice. You can buy it Wally World, Right? So there's nothing sacred about the elements. They're symbols. What's sacred is knowing that you're going to be sitting in a room with six, seven hundred people this morning. And together you're going to eat a piece of bread that says, as different as we are, Jesus makes us one. You're going to drink and say, as different as we all are, this blood cleansed our sins. And together we call it communion because we take it in community. Community. And we think about David, rushing out of the palace, running for the safety of his life, and in the midst, writing this psalm to say, God, no matter what my world is like, you are my source. Oh God, you are my God. And I want you to think of another king, who left the city to go into the wilderness. Not because of his own failures, but because of ours. A king, Jesus who left the great city to go into the wilderness so he could provide a way of deliverance for people like us. Who, in the midst of the chaos of what was taking place when he was arrested in that garden and beaten and falsely tried and convicted and was murdered for our sins, he cried out, O oh God, you are my God. He cried out, not my will, but yours be done. He said to his father at the end of his life, it is finished I did everything you asked me to do to bring you glory. What David would write as he left the city in Psalm 63, Jesus would demonstrate in the way he lived his life for you and me. Praise be to the name of Jesus, the author and perfecter of our salvation. This morning, if you're a believer and you have given yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ, as we take this element of bread and juice and we drink it, May we remember the words Jesus said on the night he gave his life for us. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I come again. Let's pray. Father, we receive the hope. We receive the grace. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your gift of life, your offer of beauty from our ashes. Jesus, we thank you that you would pay the price as our king to abandon your throne that you might give us a chance to sit with you forever around your power and glory. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will teach us to recall, to remember, and to meditate on your goodness and the life that you offer us. Father, as a new day begins, may we give our soul what it most wants, a life with you And so today we take and eat in remembrance of who you are and how much you care for us. We pray this by the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.